Deep in the bowels of Moore Hall Podcast Room, two mild-mannered CM Life newspaper editors harbor an unknown power. With this power comes great responsibility. Harken now your ears to the raving geeks! Hello, Central Michigan University. I am Ben Solis. Oh, hi. I'm Malachi Barrett. <laughs> oh, hi, Malachi. How are you doing? And we are the Raven Geeks. This is episode two, last episode. Uh, we introduced ourselves as the uh, preeminent geeks on Central Michigan University's campus. Penultimate, really. Penultimate. Oh, ooh, yeah. yeah, most definitely. I think the uh, cosplay club might have a big problem with that. But, you know, uh, get with the program. That's right. Yeah, I cosplay once in a while um, as myself, and I'm pretty cool. So, um, well, I don't know about that. Ooh, Jesus ooh, Christ. Yeah. Let's not go into that territory. Well, I'm then. sorry. But anyway, like, uh, like we said last week, uh, we are the... Uh, Editors over at Central Michigan Life. I am the editor-in-chief. I'm the news editor. And uh, we uh, get a lot of flack because uh, we're nerds and uh, we can't talk about it. But guess what? We could talk about it here. Yep. You're all stuck in this room with us. Thank well, you. For... The door's been locked. It's me, Colton, wearing a Superman t-shirt, I must say. How are you? Who did our fancy new intro. I hope you guys enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. And uh, we're stuck. You gotta listen to us talk. You gotta listen to us rave. But we can begin, I think, by... Uh, Giving us a little bit of credit where credit's due. Uh, yeah, what Malachi's talking about is that if you paid attention to our last episode, uh, we did a little thing, a little speculation on whether or not the Marvel Universe in the uh, film realm was going to do Civil War. And guess what? They are. We called it. Pat yep. on the back. Give it to me. first. Uh, Woo! Exactly. Uh, I feel pretty good about that. How about you, Malachi? Yeah, yeah. Suck it, uh, everyone who... Didn't say that. You know, and it's funny, too, because people were super adamant that it couldn't happen. They yeah. just, just thought that it was too big. But lo and behold, uh, you saw that clip from Avengers uh, 2. They they released yeah. a clip of uh, a uh, very manly uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris yes. Evans chopping wood. Mm. Uh, because that's what superheroes do on their off time. They apparently get together, uh, bitch about things, and chop wood. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, it's it's going to be fun, and I'm glad that we called it. Uh, I think it's validation of our nerddom, and that's why we're here today with you guys. Um, but yeah, things have been pretty spacey lately, if you've been watching a lot of uh, television, film, and things like that. Uh, a lot of big news for the realm of sci-fi. So we're going to dedicate this entire episode to the wonder of space. This is our space episode. Geeks and in space! Completely, completely. <laughs> um, that reminds me... Uh, you ever see History of the World Part 2? Or Part 1? Yeah, Part 1 at the part, very end, the, at the Jews in Space. At the very end, it's Jews in Space. And if you really want to connect a really cool Mel Brooks thing together, I mean, Spaceballs is basically Jews in Space. It totally is, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think people realize It that came out sometimes. after that, right? Oh, well after that. Do you think that was something where he was just like, oh my god, that's actually a really good idea. I'm going to do that now. I feel like he made the movie... And then finally at the premiere, he realized, my God, I finally did it. Oh, it's brilliant, though. Yeah, absolutely. It kinda, it's kind of missing the star of David Spaceship. Yeah. I would have liked to see that. That's my favorite part of the uh, history of the part world. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> history of the world part one. There, I got it out pretty quick that time. It's late, guys. Give us a break. Um, the no. very end of that movie is my favorite, oh, though. For when, sure. they, when they preview the non-existent history of the world part two. Absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't exist. They're never going to happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we uh, we want to dedicate this episode to two very specific things that are very important, I think, to nerddom right now. Um, Star Trek aside, because that's going to be a while till we see another really cool Star Trek movie. Um, we have two things that are on our palette, if you will. Mm -hmm. So we've got Star Wars. The big announcement just came out this week. The new movie has a name. That sucks. And it is 
awful. <laughs> like Star Wars X or some crap. It is Star Wars The Force Awakens or yes. Awakened. One of the one of the, one, comp- of the one of those two. I mean either I think Malachi said it best, and I'm going to say it for him because I think it's brilliant. He sure. said, "Isn't shouldn't the Force already be awake by now? <laughs> like we've gone through like almost like 30 years worth of movie, yeah, for this thing to be sleeping for a real long time." Um, but it's strange. I mean, I'm I'm a, a kind of a big Star Wars fan, but Malachi here, mm. Malachi is uh, the king. I'll, I'll give you guys a little hint, you ladies out there. If you ever come over Malachi's house, and I'm sure you will one of these days, <laughs> he's a looker. Um, he has a huge mural, like a huge like painting of like yeah. all the Star Wars characters like in one thing. Yep. It's brilliant. I think it's beautiful. It's but on display in the middle of my home. You literally first thing you see you, when you open the door. You, you walk in the foyer and it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. Nice part of Star Wars. Yeah. What? So yeah, it's interesting. So I'm gonna let Malachi take the majority of this because he knows a lot more than I do. You know, Star Wars is just it's one of my favorite things ever. You know what I mean? And I have Even a, more than Spider Man. Even more than Spider-Man. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Even more than Spider-Man. You have terrible taste. No, 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 no. It's I have a very refined taste. That's why I'm here doing this podcast. Yes, it is. I respect you yeah. like, uh, like a brother. <laughs> uh, you know, I just I grew up on this stuff. I have a lot of personally invested uh, feelings for these movies. Like, when people screw them up, I get pissed. Like, I just I get unhappy because it's like dicking with me, man. You, you screw with my Star Wars? Huh? You come in my neighborhood, you screw with my Star Wars? It's just Star Wars, though, right? Did you wake me what up? Do you Did you rub my lamp? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. You know, Return of the Jedi has some problems, but it's only just because I'm so crazy about this stuff. Two, you know, three of my most favorite movies of all time. You know, I watch Empire Strikes Back maybe like once a year, and I just ruin it for everybody that I'm there with because I'm like quoting it the whole time and I'm just geeking out, you know? I feel you, man. That's how I am about all these Chris Nolan movies with uh, the Batman trilogy. Yeah. For sure. We, we, uh, we got together. We tried to get some people in the office to watch all the Star Wars movies. And that this was summer. a tremendous failure. Yeah, absolutely. We got through, uh, we got through what, New Hope? Finally, yeah. finally got into the empire, and by then, like all like the really hot chicks that we had in our in our room uh, were off doing something else, and yeah. here we were, uh, these uh, surly bros, uh, still quoting Star Wars. I and, couldn't have been happier, really. With well, how it I mean, yeah, out. I mean, me too. But uh, yeah, that's good, man. I mean, that's that's cool that you have a connection to it. Like yeah, well, that. I mean, you know, I grew up with it, uh, and I was introduced to to it by my parents. You know, so that's always cool. There's that connection. My dad like loves Harrison Ford. You know what I mean? And uh, so yeah. That and Indiana Jones, man. Those two are, like, really, really hardcore. But, like I said, you know, you screw up with Star Wars. I'm, a, I'm not going to be happy, you know. I'm, nope. I'm glad that this movie wasn't titled The Rise of Jar Jar Binks or something like that. <laughs> oh, you know God. What I mean? All right, we, we had a little pack before this, this episode that we would try to bring up Jar Jar Binks in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to stop Malachi right here and say that the single most awful thing, the worst thing to ever happen to any movie in the entirety of film history was Jar Jar Binks in episode one. Why does this guy exist? I really think, you know, let's just not even touch. That, what, that's all that really what is needs he, to be what said. Is he, what is he? Is he an amphibian? Does, does he he's, there? Does he's he the personification water? with two problems that completely plagued those movies. <laughs> One, over uh, overuse of CGI. Sure. He was just a, created to show off CGI. That's really why this guy was made, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then two, pandering to a... See, I don't want to say this and like come off the wrong way. I don't mean pandering to children. I think it's fine that you oh, can have a film. To children. But like the commercialism in this was just ridiculous. Jar Jar Binks was created to sell toys Absolutely. and to show off his masturbatory love of CGI, oh, George absolutely. Lucas, you absolutely. fool. Yeah. So that's why and I think those are two kind of overarching problems with those uh those prequel movies anyway. But you know. 
if I see Jar Jar Binks in any of these movies, if I see his grandkids, if I see his kids, if I see his baby mama, I'm yeah. going to lose my mind. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's interesting that you say that, because that seems like a uh, George Lucas problem. They're not going to have that problem this time, are we? Well, this is why I have a new hope. Oh, do you? <laughs> Flabber, yes, Flabber. thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Colton does not approve. <laughs> no, he's over there shaking his head at me. Um, the more that this guy's been involved with the films, I feel like the worse that they've gotten. You know, the best movies in the Star Wars, uh, tr- I'm going to call it trilogy. Sure. Because I refuse There's to accept There's only one trilogy, man. There's only a trilogy. There's only one trilogy, man. Yeah. The best ones were the ones where he was the least involved in. I mean, people tell this guy to rewrite his New Hope script. Like, he made massive changes to that film. The input from other people are really what's made that good. And, you know, and, uh, what, what, oh, man, what is the name of the guy who wrote uh, Empire Strikes Back? I can't think of oh, it. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, oh, look at us. We're geeks and we're stumped. Um, da, 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 da. I forget. Usually I got this on lock. Robert something, right? No, that's Orky. He did, uh, no, he did screw Star that Trek. Guy. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I'd love my stuff. He's got a weird name. I don't know why I can't think of it right now. But, I mean, Empire is my favorite one, and that was the one that Lucas had kind of the least involvement. And then he came back for Return of the Jedi, and we got... Yeah, freaking Ewoks. We got, Return of the, we got Return of the Jedi. We got freaking Ewoks and all this stuff. And he was like, you know, at that point, he was like the king of Star Wars, you know? So he had the most influence, I think, on that one. Kasdan, the original right? three. Yes, Lawrence Kasdan. Ah, God, even, he's even got a Star Wars name. See, we've got it. He's even got Just a Star Wars name. Just when you thought we were, fell off the map. It's 1130, guys. Please, yeah. please bear with us. Bear with uh, us here. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's what made Empire Strike Back so, so damn well, good. Well, then, and he got to this point now where uh, he, I feel like he's just trapped in his own bubble and it's kind of like uh, shifted his uh, perspective of what these films were like. Um, so I'm glad that he's handed it off. He's not really involved with it. That makes me kind of happy. And you know what? I've really, I've always wanted to see that kind of passed down to another filmmaker because uh, George Lucas in the eighties may have been cool. George Lucas, uh, 2015, big fat necky George Lucas is ain't cool no more. You know what I mean? Uh, he ain't cool no more. If only I could have a burrito. Yeah, just stay on the ranch, man. Just stay on the Star Wars or the Skywalker Ranch. Eat your burritos. That's fine. <laughs> Eat your burritos. Eat your burritos, Lucas, and uh, don't touch my Star Wars no what more. What kind of burritos do you think George Lucas is? Is he a cheese guy? Is he a bean guy? I, I see him as liking a lot of cheese. He looks like a lot of pork. So much yeah. cheese. A lot of pork on a daily basis. He looks like the, the <laughs> kind of guy that would bring his own hot sauce to a Qdoba Ugh. and just slather that thing in it. Yeah, he looks like he makes his own gravy. Yeah. Absolutely. Ooh, he looks like he's 90% gravy. <laughs> he is the gravy. Yeah. <laughs> The force is strong with this man. Yeah. The gravy is and strong. His gravy content. Absolutely. No, and that's, I mean, I really respect George Lucas on a lot of levels. Um, I mean, those Indiana Jones movies are so good. I feel like those movies are, are good because of him. If it was Spielberg by himself, left yeah. to Spielberg's own devices, as you guys may find out in the show, I hate Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I have a very unhealthy distaste for uh, Steven Spielberg. And we're going to talk about that a little later, too, because we got something in store. Um, but yeah, I, I just I think that Lucas is a really visionary writer when he wants to be. Yeah. Uh, when he's not like lost in his own weeds. I, I think it's when he's pushed to be. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean he made uh, Star Wars. He made uh, what was that other uh, dystopian sci-fi? Oh, THX one THX one one three eight. One of yeah. the greatest sci-fi movies of all time. Absolutely. If you haven't seen that movie, get on it. It used to be on Netflix, but you know Netflix purges their uh, material quite a bit, but. Uh, Definitely check it out. It's it's really cool. Um, Robert Duvall as a yep. as a emotionless kind of blob of a man, really cool. And if you really like George Lucas a lot, you understand his shots, right? You know, you get these like cool, 
group scenes, crowd scenes, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that in THX. Uh, it's kind of like a really cool precursor. And Wookiees are in it. They mention Wookiees. Wookiees before Wookiees, man. You can't go wrong. But, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, Lucas, he's he's done for. And uh, I'm really happy that my boy J.J. Abrams is... Ho- is this is what I think is really interesting. Why? Because... You hate Spielberg, but you like J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams seems very influenced by Spielberg and tries to emulate, I think, Spielberg in a lot of ways. He does. It's this. It's you know what? It, it. I think visually, J.J. Abrams does a lot. Um, yeah. I think the only time that I really saw J.J. Abrams flick that had the emotionality of Spielberg was Super Eight, and that's because Spielberg was. I mean, he was a producer on it. He was an executive producer. Yeah. So I mean, I understand that. And that was very clearly him making a. a a Spielberg-esque Oh, film. it was a total homage. You know? Total homage to Spielberg. And I was okay with that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess what the cool thing I like about Abrams is that he doesn't let that go too far. He doesn't let that emotionality kind of weight his films. I mean, if you look at those those couple Star Trek films that he did, I mean, those are brilliant, and they're not too overly emotional. I yeah. think there's moments, but I don't think it gets too weird. I really didn't like Into Darkness, but I liked the first one. Yeah. And you know what? You could tell with that, Abrams is... Man, he's wanted to make a Star Wars movie forever. Oh, you know? yeah. And now he gets to do it. And I think, you know, he's a guy who really respects the, the universe that's been made. And I think he'll really respect all the people who want to see this done right. Uh, this isn't, I, I don't know. I don't think it's really a cash grab. Yeah. We'll see, you know, as things go along. Um, I do have hope for this. I'm not a cynical old man yet, you know. I think Abrams will do a good job. Yeah. I just want to make sure that this movie, cinematography, looking at it that way, doesn't, really look like his films i want it to still look and have the narrative kind of flow that a star wars movie usually has because there's a definitely a style to you know these star wars movies well i don't think it will i mean i think with you know bringing Lawrence kasdan along for the ride uh we're super excited about working as the writer on this film i mean he's going to be able to set up a screenplay that very very greatly mimics the best of star wars you know even without lucas involved i mean and he is by name and he'll be seeing over things but like i don't know if you guys when when they sold Star Wars to Disney, there was one photo that, that George Lucas took, and it was with Disney characters dressed as Star Wars characters on the moon of Endor. And George Lucas has the most pathetic look on his face I've ever seen out of any man in my entire life. He just is like, why did I do this? Why did I Why did I give my cash cow away? And his baby, too. His baby, he's, man. You know, he's very, uh, very ingrained in this. Yeah, where he was at that point, you know. Yeah, so I mean, I I think I think he'll be able to do it justice. I have a lot of faith in J.J. Abrams, and if he screws it up, I mean, there's no more Star Wars movies, or he gets kicked off the project, and it's really ambitious. I mean, Disney is trying to put out a Star Wars flick a year. I don't like that. A year. It's crazy to me. How could you? I mean, I, Marvel's not even trying to do all that. Yeah. I mean, everybody thinks that these Marvel movies are somewhat forced. I don't know if all these are going to land when they're supposed to, honestly. I, I know that they kind of have to. They don't really have much of a choice now. But, I mean, if one thing screws up, you throw the whole schedule out of whack. Like, uh, Harrison Ford, like, hurt him. He injured himself on set, you know. that If that guy, like, really broke his ankle, I think he just kind of fractured it or sprained it or anything. He's he's back now. He's back filming and everything. Yeah. But if that guy, like, breaks his leg and is has to go through surgery, I mean, that's, like, six months worth of, like, rehab Stop. and everything. You're, you're, you're putting it off a whole year. Yeah, absolutely. You know. I mean, or you find a way to write them out, and you got to change the whole story and everything. I mean, the guy's old. I mean, got... I don't think that it's a good idea that they're in these. I really don't want this to be a movie about like Luke and friends when they're all just 
geriatric Star Wars. Yeah, dude, there's no yeah. way that Han Solo is going to look badass anymore when he's like a fat, pudgy old man. I don't man. know, man. Did you see Expendables 3? Harrison Ford looked like quite the badass. Hey, Harrison Ford is one awesome he's a G. mother. He's a G. He's great. I love Harrison Ford. But just, you know, the, the last time that we saw Han Solo, he was making out with space princesses and shooting guys in the face. Absolutely. And he looked like, you know, he had his vest and everything. He looked sick. He was living the dream, guys. The first time, and I can totally see how this is going to happen because they already did it for Indiana Jones. You know, the first thing you see is Indiana Jones's hat and everything. And it's just like this big, long reveal. See, I didn't, I didn't see Crystal Skulls. I refused to do it. <sighs> yeah, that's a whole other thing. Anything, Don't... That, anything that Shia LaBeouf even is involved in, I, uh, I want to stay away that from. Movie... Did you ignore that part? No. Nope. It, was, it wasn't a bad play. Nope. How could you ignore the entire movie? It's like the entire know, movie. It... Yeah, I, I see your point, but... I... Cold... I just want to give credit where credit's due for the rest of the film. You're talking about a man who went raving naked through the streets of New York. I disagree entirely. Now. Even Stevens, yeah. Cold, I need to put you straight. Put you straight, real quick. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna swear up a storm. I hope you get ready to, to censor this oh. afterwards. Everyone, prepare yourselves for yeah, an, yeah. Un- We're gonna make an unholy flurry of bleeps. Oh, Jesus. But mother, there is a scene in that god movie where Shia LaBeouf is swinging through the air with these monkeys. Shia LaBeouf, you do not have a movie where Shia LaBeouf swings with any kind of simian. And have okay. What happened to me? And have it in ignore, Indiana Jones. That movie sucks on a holy him. level of balls. You can't just bring the whole film down when you got you know great no. actors like. Okay. I think okay, if it I, was Shia LaBeouf alone, I would be okay with that. But him and monkeys at the same time, yeah. I, I'm not. I can't <laughs> it's handle this. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <laughs> aliens. It's got aliens in it at the end, and it's just weird. Oh God, I'm gonna. My brain hurts. Just move on. So we've accepted the fact that Harrison Ford's a little past his prime. Carrie Fisher has not been uh, very good looking in like about 20 years. That soggy coked out chick ooh, is not the right. Ooh, poor Carrie. I Carrie. mean, Star Wars like ruined her life, man. Carrie, Carrie, All Carrie. this like rehab and everything she had to go through. And oh man, poor Carrie. I like Carrie Fisher a lot. I think she's great. The funniest thing is that episode in 30 Rock when she's like that like like feminist like yeah. ex-writer for the show. And she's yeah. absolutely insane. I was like, wow, this is like really modeled after Carrie Fisher's life. <laughs> Yeah, it's really not that far from the truth. Oh, you know? God, Carrie, what happened to you? I mean, it, it has nothing to do with them and nothing about their capacity as actors because I think they could do it in their sleep really at this point. Oh, yeah, they're really fine actors. Um, I, You know what? The only person I'm really excited to see, honestly, is Carrie Fisher. I really? Think, yeah, I really like really? her a lot. So, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, okay, so to digress, one of the Sorry. things that we have all heard about in this movie is that there's two different things going on here. There's one rumor uh, that was pretty prominent when this came out is that the story is going to focus on Skywalker running a school for Jedis, um, trying to rebuild the Jedi Which race. is kind of the consensus of what we assumed a sequel would be like yeah, you know, after all these years. Absolutely. But then there's another one that like I was actually talking about earlier. This is kind of compelling stuff. Yeah. So, okay. There's a lot of things all at once. Basically, here's the gist of it, and I can kind of break down into some of these sure, other Reader's things. Digest version. There's, you know? Okay. Reader's Digest version. Luke Skywalker is, uh, he's like an old wizard like Ben Kenobi was. <laughs> I really like this. I think this is cool. Yeah, 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 you know, that's what they call him. You're a wizard, Luke. Wizard Luke. That's what? Harry. If we have to talk about Harry Potter once on this podcast, oh, I no. I'm out. I just, I don't It's very divisive. Uh, anyway, Luke, or uh, yeah, sorry. So Luke, after defeating the forces of evil, has kind of like retired. He's gone to be in touch with the force. He has not started a Jedi school or anything like that at all. He's uh, in exile. Like Yoda was somewhere, some kind of planet. I think it'd be really cool if he was on Dagobah or Tatooine. Honestly, oh like, yeah, sweet. went back to his roots, man. Yeah, so that's what he's doing. And these like new heroes are trying to find him. 
apparently there's a there's this other subplot maybe that they're trying to find him because they found either his hand, his robot hand, or his lightsaber, apparently. Mm. Mm. So that's, like, part of the mystery. And then they end up uh, finding Han and Chewie on some planet, and they, like, you know, they go on this search for Luke, you know? Interesting. Do you think that the Sith is going to be involved with this? I mean, that's the primary villain. That's, is, that's the other up? thing. Uh, well, the Empire is in shambles, but it's still around to some degree. They still have a hold on some planets, so they're partially fighting that threat. And then also I believe that there has been confirmed that there will be uh, either Dark Jedi or... Sith of some kind, yeah. Interesting. Did you ever read the books when you were a kid? The like the the, the like the future books, like that follow. Oh, the, like the extended use universe stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got into that a little bit. I was I was into it too. I I read the the one book I prominently remember was the one with <laughs> with Jabba the Hutt's brother. Jeez. Jabba the Hutt's brother and like his wife, and it's like how many of these things are actually like around? And apparently, there's a whole planet of them. Oh yeah. And this is like slugging the around, slugging around, man. Nalhada is the that's their home world. What is it now? Nalhada, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Oh, I know. There's a whole race of these things. That's right. Those scumbags oh, are everywhere. God. Oh, God. We, we got a, a hut in the neighborhood. <laughs> there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> there goes the entire neighborhood. Yeah. Smugglers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was wondering how much of that would actually show up in there, and I guess like, yeah. that's maybe for, like, really big super nerds. Well, actually, very interesting story. I would have thought you'd known this, Ben. But, actually, um, they wiped away all of the canon for uh, anything that happens past episode six, Return of the Jedi, when the, they did this trade over, it's all gone. None of that ever happened so anymore. So all those books don't mean anything. Yep, all this, all that stuff doesn't My mean a thing. My childhood is ruined. Yep, they yeah, uh, they really went into like this. I mean, there was a really long. Uh, I forget the name of the author, but he did like a lot of books that were like part of this series. There's like ten or fifteen of them, you know, and it's got Luke's kids and Han's kids, and you know, Han and Leia are banging or they're married or whatever, and. Uh, you know, it goes through this thing, and eventually, like, Chewie dies somehow. I don't know. But there was, like, a lot of stuff there. And, I mean, that's what a big complaint from a lot of people was. was like, hey, man, like, we've had this extended material for, like, decades, and now it just doesn't mean anything so they can pave the way for these movies. Yeah, and you're rewriting all of it. Yeah, so a lot of this stuff's kind of up in the air, uh, really what the state of, like, Star Wars is, uh, you know, in a broader sense, I guess. That's, that's interesting, man. I mean, I hope it works out. You know, I have the utmost fit. I am a Star Trek nerd way more than I am a Star Wars nerd. So, I mean, if, uh, you know, three more Star Trek movies get made and they're fantastic and Star Wars eats it terribly, <laughs> I would not be terribly uh, uh, too disappointed. Yeah, but I mean, those were made in the action style of, like, a Star Wars movie. Sure. I think those were very... Sure. Uh, I mean, R2-D2's got a cameo in, in the first one. Yeah, he's, like, you flying in space that, degree. Yeah, watch, yeah. watch Space next time you watch those movies. But yeah, I, I think this is a good jumping point to what's going on right now. I mean, Star Wars is a little bit way in the future. I mean, they haven't really even started filming anything, have they? I mean, they started filming. I believe they were filming, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's there's still going to be a while till we're going to see a teaser or any kind of like on-set photos and things like that, if any. I mean, we'll see. Um, but I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to what's been going on this weekend, but Interstellar was released on Friday. Thursday. I think I can just get up right now and you can do the rest of this Thursday episode. if you're lucky. Yeah, Malachi has not seen it yet. <clears throat> I fear that I will spoil all of it for him. Um, and I hope I don't. But So I'll, 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 I promised myself I wouldn't ruin this for people. Uh, so I won't ruin it for you guys who are listening in either. But I got to tell you, <clears throat> not only is it probably one of the best Christopher Nolan films I've ever seen. And this guy's a huge Nolan I'm fan, I'm a huge by the way. Nolan fan. And I heard this was not that good of a Nolan movie. So I had some, you know, bated breath when I walked into there. Um, but in the context of sci-fi movies, you know, 
I know people get really, really up in arms and really kind of happy about these action-y sci-fi movies. Um, yeah. And are, that's fine, fine by me, but it's not really hard sci-fi. I go to, I go yeah. to sci-fi movies now, and I go, so much left to be desired. This movie is like the just the ultimate space flight movie. If you saw Gravity last year <clears throat> and thought that was good, which is probably foolish because it was a terrible movie. <laughs> I mean, George Clooney floating around in space. I and hate George airlocks. Clooney. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I don't like Sandra Bullock. Either. And yeah, and constant bitch face Sandra Bullock. It was pretty bad. Um, but, you know, that was a really cool space movie from a visual aspect. This movie, Interstellar, makes that look like like a cartoon show. Wow. It was so good. Um there's criticisms, of course, you know, that some of the science is a little too far-fetched, which is really interesting to... You know, suspension of disbelief, man, I don't care. You've got to suspend disbelief. And it's in, I mean, all this stuff is based off of... To digress a little bit, I'll give you a little background. When Christopher Nolan was going to make this movie, originally, um, he wasn't going to do it. Spielberg was going to do it. Uh, Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan's brother, wrote the movie with Kip Thorne. He's a theoretical physicist, uh, one of the like big names in black hole and wormhole theory. Um, and they wrote a script. Kip did first, and it needed some, you know, Hollywood sheen, so Jonathan Nolan got involved, and they were going to write it for Paramount Pictures, and Spielberg loved it. Spielberg loved the script. It was right down his alley. Uh, it was, you know, all of these, oh, God, we've got vibration. <laughs> Malachi's a, a popular guy. He's getting text messages. This um, is actually Adrian Hedden, our metro. Oh, yeah, our, uh, shout-outs to Adrian Hedden. Yeah, thanks for ruining our podcast, yeah, Adrian. Sorry it's not the ringmasters. As but... you ruin everything you touch in life. Thanks, buddy. Um, anyway, but, uh, yeah, he, Spielberg was going to do this, and then I don't know what happened. Some, something, I, I remember it, but something is with his schedule, or he didn't think that he could do it or didn't have the time i think it was a money issue as well yeah um and he backed out so uh who comes to colin but you know jonathan's brother the uh master oh yeah i knew that christopher was coming. nolan yeah uh i love that man so much um i got a, such a man crush on christopher nolan he's a good looking dude. dude he wears vests man that's pretty cool yeah. he wears vests all I, the time. I enjoy man he looks like he's a does. character out of charles dickens novel <laughs> every single time you see him it's like i feel like oh hello sir that's ridiculous you know, um but yeah, he sold it to his brother. I mean, obviously, Chris Nolan would love to do this kind of project, and uh, such is uh, history, and now we've got it. It was more emotional than what I thought it was going to be. So, I guess broad strokes here. This is a guy who gets sent in some wormhole of some yeah. kind, right? So, so, so a little bit of explanation. Um, basically, it's, it's not too far off in the future. Uh, I want to say at least maybe like 100 years in the future. Yeah. <clears throat> Not much has really changed. It's still the same kind of world that you see. Um, but we have decimated the planet so much that uh, a lot of these crops, they can't sustain life. The only thing that they can eat is corn. Everything else has died. Uh, there's dust everywhere. It's like the whole world is in a giant, giant dust bowl. And uh, a lot of people have died. I think, like they said, like at least like 6 million people have been wiped off the face of the planet. Um, and in that process, they totally abandoned a lot of things uh, they abandoned most science they abandoned most uh, you know technical things engineering um, and they basically are, are building you know cultures of farmers they there's a kind of a, a thread that runs through that movie is that we're a caretaker generation we're just trying to make sure the earth survives um, but yeah the, there's obviously it can't survive obviously it was kind of like you know reading the writing on the wall and eventually we're all going to die so a group of scientists get together they find a wormhole 
not too far off out in the solar system. I don't want to give too much of this away. You can totally tell this was written by a physicist. Oh, because yeah. a team of physicists get together to yeah. save yeah. humanity. It takes scientists to save the world. This was like this guy sitting here, like in his desk at like UCLA or wherever he's from, you know? He's probably getting crap from his, his students yeah, and stuff he, like that. He's all just day like long. he's just like looking up at all his diplomas. Just... <laughs> if only I could save the world. Yeah, just so frustrated, you know. Nobody thinks a scientist is worth anything. Well, I'll show them. Yeah, this, which they are, you know. In this movie, they are. They save everything. So yeah, Matthew McConaughey plays one of these engineers. Um, and he just it's like a man in the wrong time. Uh, and he gets pegged to, to pilot this mission to go out into this wormhole and find these other scientists who have gone through the wormhole and are, are relaying information back. They're trying to find a new planet. And the thing is just so spectacular, uh, not only from a visual standpoint, but, um, you know, a lot of people have compared this movie to, oh, this is our modern day 2001 A Space Odyssey. And the, the wormhole's outside of Jupiter, isn't and it, it? Well, it's outside of Saturn, so, I mean, it's, <laughs> okay. yeah, a little, little plot twist. Um, yeah, in, you two, know, in 2001, the final monolith that they're sending them to is outside of is Jupiter. It's outside Jupiter, and that's like a big sequence. And, um, you know, a lot of this movie was was supposed to be like his homage to that and in many ways when you see it i mean there's little things little jokes that they even make that are just like oh that's he's just making fun of uh or he's he's honoring um yeah. 2001 and i've always said this about christopher nolan um is that he's kind of like a really cool anagram of like some of my favorite directors i mean i don't really like spielberg that much but i will admit that i mean he's one of the big names uh he's probably one of the most influential filmmakers of all time and uh, also Stanley Kubrick, who is one of my favorite uh, directors. Um, a lot of times when I watch Christopher Nolan movies, I really think, like, wow, he's a really good mix of, of Kubrick and Spielberg. Mm. You know, he gets the kind of just, like, mind-bending mentality of just, like, I want to warp your mind and give you a fantastic experience that Kubrick had in all of his movies. Um, but also he understands that you need heart to anchor it. I think that's one of the things that I mean, makes Spielberg so good. But it's always been a weird mix. You know, you always watch a Nolan movie and you, the, the, the juxtaposition of the two sometimes just doesn't work out. Um, and I think that's why he gets a lot of crap from people who don't like his movies, mm. is that it just doesn't work. Um, this is a movie where his Spielberg sensibilities far, far outweigh his Kubrick sensibilities. And uh, it was just beautiful to watch. I, I'll be very honest with you. At the end of that movie, I got out of, my, out of that movie theater well, after everybody left, I kind of sat there and had to process everything that I just saw. And I wept like a baby <laughs> for like 15 minutes just because it was just so powerful. Um, what I like about sci-fi, too, is that it really elevates the conversation that they're having in the movie because they can talk about like these really big, weighty sure. themes about like humanity and sure. like branching out in our role in the universe and all these things. And, hey, this thing's emotionally charged. We were seeing Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, the two, two of my favorite things about that night uh, – <laughs> <laughs> we're watching this trailer for interstellar before uh guardians of the galaxy and my buddy anthony's with us he's my roommate one of my best friends and uh the the trailer is just so loud and booming <laughs> and we're everyone in the theater that's watching this trailer right now is thinking the same thing wow he's like wow this is great i want to see that movie you yeah. know and so he because we've been kind of yelling at each other throughout the trailer we were like, being really obnoxious we were like, by the way. something would happen be like whoa you know you see that man you know and it was loud enough that we could get away with that sure and sure enough the last thing he says is boy i want to see that 
<laughs> it was like one <laughs> second, one second after the the trailer ended. So it's just silence in the theater. And you could hear a pin like drop, this. and he's just like, "Wow!" Like really obnoxiously. Yeah, and the whole theater laughed, but at the same time they're like, "Shh, shut yeah, up! Yeah. You guys are so obnoxious." Larry retired at that point. We're, but we're, dude, we're bad. I was almost crying in that trailer, even. If you watch that entire movie, there are moments where you just feel so bad for Matthew McConaughey that he has left his family for this kind of like fruitless mission, um, and that like. You know, there's really no hope that he's ever going to see the people he loves again. And can they really even do this? Can they save the human race? And by the end of that movie, I will say this, without giving anything away. If you've watched 2001, there's a sense of, I don't really understand what just happened. I'm really happy I just saw this. But I'm so confused and it really hasn't doesn't have like any kind of denouement at all. Like, it's just there. Um, yeah. It's more mind-bending. There's more questions. At the end of this movie, everybody kind of gets what they want. And that's a really nice sentiment. And I think a lot of people said that it's really cliche. Now, you'll read a lot of reviews and said that, you know, this movie looks fantastic, but it's hinged on a cliche. And that cliche is universal love. And they talk about that quite a bit. That, you know, we didn't make love. That's not a man-made thing. It's something that's instilled in us, and we don't really know where that came from. Without it, we die as a race. Um, and if you, I'm sorry, but if you think unconditional love is a cliche, you are a cold hearted because this thing is, is brilliant. It's beautiful. And, um, I didn't think it was cliche at all. There were some moments that were kind of silly when they finally show Anne Hathaway. I was talking to someone about this and it's just like Christopher Nolan's new muse. It's (laughs) like, you know, Christian Bale's gone. So he's like going to have Anne Hathaway in the next six movies that he's got in there. My muse, my flame. You know, absolutely. (laughs) And like, you know, so like, you know, she shows up finally and you're just like, are you going to put on, like, a black leather, like, catsuit, like, in the next five minutes? Like, hey, no, I will I watch any film with her in a catsuit. Oh, my. She's she's absolutely one of my top celebrity crushes, man. Oh, my God. Seriously. Yeah, no, she's beautiful. And she looks really good with her, her short black hair now. And oof. Mm. I mean, this, and she's she plays a scientist. She's really smart. And she's got all these really strong female roles. And I don't know. Um, I, I implore anybody who loves movies in general to go see this movie ignore all the reviews and just enjoy yourself and suspend disbelief because like you know i i i I drove to lansing to see this i drove all the way to lansing just to watch this on like the fake imax screen that they have there (laughs) and um you know as i i wrote i wrote a little message on my my facebook and you know my my friends and and how do you say nerd fans uh kind of responded very well to this but like you know my dad worked for nasa my dad built stuff that went in space shuttles. Um, so from a very early age, like space exploration was like a big part of my upbringing. Like, yeah. We always really enjoyed the wonder of space. Um, so for in, like the cultural context to see people really excited about a movie that like travels and traverses space for the good of humanity and not have it be cheesy like something like Star Wars or Star Trek or you know anything else, um, it really means a lot. You know, we're defunding NASA. You yeah. know, we're taking our, our focus off of doing this. But the IMAX theater was packed on, on at like 11 o'clock at night. Um, and just to see that many people still revel in the idea that we can leave our planet one day and find something new. I mean, it really, really was very touching. And I mean, this has probably inspired a whole generation of physicists. They actually, there was, there was an article um, in Telegraph UK that, you know, 
that this is putting a new focus and a new like idea of that maybe we should restart our space program and really yeah. start looking at this. NASA said that they were working on a warp drive. I don't know how much of that is actual crap. That sounds bitching. That's but awesome. They they said that they've got like the the g- generic R and D done to work on this warp drive. That's I sweet. mean, in the next fifty to one hundred years, we could be <laughs> traveling faster than the speed of light, if possible. The way I see this too is, I mean, two thousand one came out a year before we touched the moon. Oh yeah. You know. Uh, that that came out during the space race. I mean, and it was all about humanity's kind of evolution. It was like the main theme of that, you know. And uh, it really like, challenged, you know, let's do this. Let's get this done. And yeah, here we are at a time where nobody really cares about space anymore. We're not really doing too much. We're funding our program. It's not something that we're focused on, I think, as a society anymore. Yeah. Um, so I think it'd be really interesting if this kind of changes the way I think it you will. Know, look at I it. think I think a lot of young people who were not interested in any of this will see this movie and go, "Wow, I want to do this." Like kids. I mean, I'm I'm a journalist. I'm set in my ways. There's no. I hate math. There's no way I'm learning any of this stuff. No. Yeah. Um, I'm I, am, not. I am dumb as a box of rocks. Exactly. We can only write. That's about all we can, we're good for. Um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm just really happy that young kids are going to see this movie and want to go make the next rocket or the next thing that helps us, you know, travel through space and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a beautiful sentiment. I I'm, was moved on so many levels. I'm going to go see it again tomorrow probably um, as many times as I can. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I'm just really happy that things are, you know, that movies are daring to reach higher. And Chris Rowland's kind of spearheading that. Uh, I'm going to go cry, guys. <laughs> so I think I think we're done here. Uh, yeah. Colton's, Colton's texting on his phone. His his lady friend is like, Colton, come home. <laughs> come home. Colton, come home. Yeah, probably to take out the trash. I'm waiting for it. Yeah, do do my stuff. chores. Yeah, that's hey, not baby. how Colton's girlfriend sounds, and she's need, probably going to smack me for doing that. But uh, I, I need some of that sweet Colton. Some of that baby. sweet Colton with your Superman shirt. Uh, give, me, give me some oh, sugar, baby. Oh, oh. Everyone's always asking for a piece. Yeah, and, sure. You know, I can only... There's only so much of me to go around. God. I don't well, know if he's more suave or debonair, but look at this man. I don't Wait, know, man. man. I don't know. I think Colton. he put us to shame. Yeah. But, yeah, that was the second episode of The Raving Geeks, guys. Uh, we thank you for sticking with us and uh, enjoying our show. Uh, you can catch it every single week. Uh, we had a little bit of a lapse in time because, you know, newspapers are hard to put out, yo. <laughs> um, but we are going to do a midweek feature. This is kind of Malachi's idea. You want to take this away, Malachi? Yeah, I mean, well, okay. Me and Ben, we're bros. We're hanging out. We're having a lot of fun doing yeah, this yeah. podcast. But we disagree on a lot of things. I hate this guy's opinions sometimes. And I love to argue about minutia. So what we're going to do, I think, is kind of like a point-counterpoint thing about Spider-Man. Yep. Threat or menace. Because Ben hates Spider-Man. Spider-Man is the biggest tool in any comic book universe known Ooh. to man. Ben's is fighting words. He is yeah. a <laughs> And I think you're a punk. And I'm going to show everyone exactly why you're wrong later this week. And instead, instead of getting into this right now, we're going to save this for you. It'll be a little shorter than this one, so there you go. But uh, I'm going to show all you guys why I'm right and Malachi is <laughs> terribly, terribly wrong. This is going to be fun. So we're going to do that each time, so we'll have a little point, point, point counterpoints and uh, figure some stuff out. But yeah. thank you very much for uh, bearing with us. And Malachi, you want to you wanna take it out with our, uh, yeah, absolutely. our little peg? Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, Colton and... Does a lot of hard work. We do a lot of hard work on these, and they're fun. So, uh, so please keep uh, listening. I guess I'm listening. Watching. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on the site. Uh, feel free to give us a comment. Call us jerks if we're jerks. I mean, I don't know. We could. We're sound... gonna set up a phone so you guys can call in and tell we, us. We're we us. could. We could sound like tools. I don't really know. Um, but until next time, please, uh, please come back. We'll see you same. That time. Would you like to do uh, it? Yes, yeah. yes, I would. Thank you. See, ya. come back to the Raven Geeks. Same bat time. Same bat network. Bye. Bye.